Hey everybody, welcome to episode 16 of Let Me Tell You. I'm your host, the Evangelical Norm. Uh, sad news uh, this week, we lost... Dr. Norm Geisler passed away early this week, and uh, amazing, amazing theologian, teacher, apologist, uh, you know, so many things we could say about Dr. Geisler. Of course, not everybody's going to agree completely 100% with his theology. I know there were things that went on in the past where some of the teachers that we like maybe disagreed with him, all kinds of stuff, but bottom line... Dr. Geisler, Dr. Geisler was uh, a great man of God, wrote systematic theology books, uh, teacher, apologist, speaker, you name it, he did it. Years dedicated to Jude 3 style contending for the faith. And so we have, have lost another great voice um, in evangelical Christianity um, this week, and there's no reason to doubt the fact that he passed from this world into the next and was greeted by our Savior, who uh, said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Um, Dr. Geisler, pray for his family, uh, keep his family, and, and so on in prayer. Um, great man, uh, passed away this week, and uh, it is sad news. Um, and it kind of leads into the next thing I'm going to talk about, just a real quick segue into, um, from, from a great teacher, a great, um, man of God dedicated to defending the faith to, um, not that, um, there we go to, uh, a man who disqualified himself, um, in many ways, is now back on the scene. He's been slowly coming back. Of course, we're talking about uh, Mark Driscoll. Slowly coming back into, he went from Mars Hill uh, being asked, essentially required to step down as the pastor of Mars Hill. Um, I'm not going to get into that whole debacle because that's not what I'm going to talk about today. And I don't know all the details um, as well as I could. Um, there are others who do know all the details. People I know who were there, who were part of it, who um, were part of the elders that um, that asked him to step down. So ultimately, and you know, people are probably going to come at me, but okay. Uh, I know people who know this man who know that he is disqualified. And obviously, whatever repentance, whatever uh, process of restoration should have gone, should have happened, it did not happen. And so he went from Mars Hill in Seattle to now he is um, 
I don't even want to use the word pastoring. It it just doesn't fit. Um, he is entertaining. We'll we'll use that word. Entertaining. He is uh, trying to educate a church in Phoenix. I believe he is uh, Trinity Church in Arizona. So, but he has uh, kind of come up on everybody's radar this week for a uh, interview he did. Now, I I was under the impression that uh, Mark Driscoll was reformed. Um, according to this clip we're going to watch here in a second, he was not. Uh, but he came up and there were some things that he, he said that I really wanted to address. Um, I thought about doing this as an episode of The Master's Dog, but I don't think what he said actually challenges scripture challenges the word of god challenges uh it does kind of challenge theology but this is more just a, a personal attack on reformed uh preachers and and reformed people in general so um we're gonna jump in i'm gonna throw up this interview that he did and it's just a snippet uh the essential i tried to watch the uh um, the whole thing earlier and it really uh, I don't know who this guy is that is interviewing him either even and but the whole f beginning like three or four minutes of the beginning excuse me um, a few minutes in the beginning of the video he's talking about something where apparently he tells a story that is similar to a story that happened at Mars Hill or something. I, I, it just seemed really weird to me that he spent so much time trying to... Essentially, I think he was trying to defend against upcoming challenges that he ironically plagiarized some story. So... I don't know what that was all about. I wasn't really able to get myself to be to even desire to watch the whole interview. So I went back and just found this little clip. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to let uh, this play out to the point, And then we're going to talk about the issues that um, come up. So here we go. Mark Driscoll. Atheism says, yeah. I have no dad. Agnosticism said, I never met him and I'm not looking for him. Deism says, he used to be here, but he left. He lives far away. Mm -hmm. Progressivism says, my dad is more like a big brother, permissive parent, lets me do what I want. Right. Arminianism is, I, I have a dad who lets me make my own choices, doesn't tell me what to do. Reformed theology is, I have a dad who is powerful. Uh, he is in charge. He's non-relational. He lives far away. And don't make him mad because he can get angry really fast and hurt you. Right. Mm. And and then feminism comes along and says, let's just be raised by a single parent called God as mother. Mm. And so almost every theological group within Christianity is somehow a rejection or projection of their earthly father. And the problem is they're starting with their earthly father and looking up. They're not starting with their heavenly father and looking down mm. and judging their earthly fathers. Yeah. So I think I've gone so far as to say, I think the whole young restless reform movement, Time Magazine said I was one of the thought leaders that helped create that. I'm not even, I don't hold to the five points of Calvinism. I think it's garbage, but, um, so blog about that. But anyways, um, because it's not biblical. But nonetheless, that whole young, restless reform, God is father, but he's distant, he's mean, he's cruel, he's non-relational, he's far away. Mm. 
that's their view of their earthly father. So then they pick dead mentors. Right. Spurgeon, Calvin, Luther. These are little boys with father wounds mm. who are looking for spiritual fathers. So they pick dead guys who are not going to actually get to know them or correct them. Right. And then they join networks run by other young men mm. so that they can all be brothers. There's no fathers. Right. Um, and they love, love, love Jesus because they love the story where the son is the hero mm -hmm. because they're the sons mm. with father wounds. Right. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the father but by me. Right. All right. Let's stop it, and I'm going to jump back, and I'm going to let him talk, and then I'm going to stop and interject in a couple of places. So we're going to do this kind of like a master's dog episode, but uh, just in this format. So let's go back. I'm, I'm Hopefully I hit right about the time where he bypasses the uh, agnostic at least says my dad is more like a big brother permissive parent lets me do what I want right Arminianism is I, I have a dad who lets me make my own choices doesn't tell me what to do reform theology is I have a dad who is powerful uh, he is in charge he's non-relational he lives far away and don't make him mad because he can get angry really fast and hurt you right okay so one, he, he even contradicts himself in the, the description that he is relational and he's distant. Um, no, God, we don't, that is not the, uh, an accurate description of how we as Reformed people view God. Yes, he is powerful. Yes, he is relational. Yes, he is in control. But we don't think he's distant. In no way, shape, or form do we believe that God is distant. We believe God is, is with us and God loves us and God loved us so much that he sent his son to die upon the cross. Uh, so to make this statement that, that we think God is distant and um, what did he say? Let me, let me again, back it up just a minute and let's hear exactly what he says. I want to be sure I'm not misrepresenting his words, but I'm accurately looking at what we think. Uh, he is in charge. He's non-relational. He lives far away. And don't make him mad because he can get angry really fast and hurt you. Okay, so he did say he's non-relational. So again, I guess there was no contradiction there. I thought he said he was relational at the beginning. Let me back up. Again, I want to just make sure we get exactly what he says. Choices doesn't tell me what to do. Reformed theology is I have a dad who is powerful. Powerful. Uh, he is in charge. He's in he's charge. He's non-relational. He lives okay, that's, that's not true. We believe he is relational. We believe he's powerful. We believe he's in charge. We absolutely believe he is relational. I don't know where he would, would come up with an idea that we don't. It's far away and don't make him mad because he can get angry really fast and hurt you. Right. Okay, well, and again, it's not a matter of don't make him mad. I mean, the Bible says that the, the wrath of God rests upon the wicked every day. Um, he's already angry with those who are wicked, but he is not angry with those who are saved. And that's the that's a key point. You know, we believe that when we are in Christ, that God looks at us and He sees Christ, and He He's absolutely, infinitely pleased with Christ because of what Jesus did, lived the perfect life, died the sinner's death, gave us His righteousness. So God sees Christ's righteousness. So there is nothing but pleasure that God sees on those who are saved. But yes, there is nothing but anger for those who are not, because rightfully, as a holy judge, he's rightfully angry with those who break his laws. But he's loving and relational enough that he sent Christ to be that mediator, to be that propitiation, to offer the 
ability to be reconciled and to, through Christ's work, gain God's pleasure and avoid his wrath. So this statement is not anything. I mean, to say that he's non-relational um, is, is absolutely incorrect of, of Reformed theology. And he again, he's, he's, tweet, he's doing what Mormons do. He really is. He's kind of, he's, he's building straw men. He's building a straw man and to be able to knock it down, and it's it's not accurate. Right. And and then feminism comes along and says, let's just be raised by a single parent called God as mother. Mm. And so th- almost every theological group within Christianity is somehow a rejection or projection of their earthly father. And the problem is they're starting with their earthly father and looking up, they're not starting with their heavenly father and looking down. See, and, and I don't think that's a fair statement about any aspect of Christianity, even Arminianism or, you know, whatever it is that you're looking at. To, to just make that sweeping statement, well, they just start with the in the wrong place and they start looking at their earthly fathers. Reformed theology starts with the word. It's literally sola scriptura. So we are in no way, we are taking what the Bible says about God and we are attributing those things to him as the word reveals them. It's, I mean, it's obviously an ad hominem uh, that he's just personally attacking reformed believers uh, with false information. And so... uh, yeah, it just it's irritating to to hear that, and and he's doing it to everybody. And and again, what what you're getting here is here is a man that right now has no authority over him, and so essentially what he's putting out, and and again maybe he 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 alleviates this accusation in the rest of the the interview, and I should go back and watch it. But essentially, he is he's laying down what some discernment ministries do Westboro Baptist cult we'll we'll look at that they are convinced that they're the only ones that right is are right and it feels like that's what Mark is saying here he's the only one that's right you know everybody else all these other groups all these other people they just they're projecting their daddy issues onto God and um, I know who God is and, and so on and that again is an unfair inaccurate uh misleading statement and judging their earthly fathers yeah so i think i've gone so far as to say i think the whole young restless reform movement time magazine said i was one of the thought leaders that helped create that i'm not even i don't hold to the five points of calvinism i think it's garbage but um so blog about that but anyways um because it's not biblical but nonetheless give us some 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 points of where it's not biblical Again, I, I would consider Reformed theology, uh, Calvinism, absolutely biblical. I mean, we can find, for every f- of the five points of Calvinism, we can find the, those defenses in the Word. And so it, it, it is. It's absolutely biblical. And whether you think it's garbage or not, I mean, I don't, I don't base your... Um, your salvation or anything on whether or not you're Calvinist or not. I have Arminian brothers, I believe that who are saved. I have have all kinds of other uh, the, the theological strains. As long as again, as long as the 
basis, as long as the essentials are, are solid, then we can disagree on some of these other things. I just happen to believe that Calvinism is accurate, is biblical, is, is defensible through the word of God. And it's not just a projection of daddy issues onto God. All of it starts from the word. Again, we sola scriptura, that is the, the, the first of the five solas, because that's where we get our information and we, we recognize the Bible to be inerrant, uh, protected by, the, by God. He, he preserved his word. That's the word I'm looking for. Preserved word of God passed down through generations and centuries to us so we have God's inerrant, sufficient word. And that's where we start. That's where we, he has revealed himself to us. That's where we learn about who God is and the other attributes and the other points of, of, of Reformed theology and the, the points of Calvinism and all those things come from Sola Scriptura. Where, do you, where are you getting? You're just, it seems to me like you're just basing this off of your feelings. Where do you get, where do you get your uh, defense for these accusations, Mark? That's what I'd like to know. That whole young, restless reform, God is Father, but He's distant, He's mean, He's cruel, He's non-relational, He's far away. Okay, and again, we just, we, He's not mean, He's not distant, He's not non-relational. Reformed the theology doesn't uh, adhere to any of these things, does not attribute any of those traits to God. In fact, most of them are opposite. He is just, doesn't translate to being mean. He is uh, sovereign. He absolutely is in control. He is um, righteous, um, can have nothing to do with sin. All these things are, but you're twisting those. And, but he is absolutely relational. He, he draws us to himself through the gospel. He uses the spirit to draw us to Christ so that we can be reconciled to him. That is, that is absolutely relational that's their view of their earthly father so then they pick dead men and why would you just assume that everybody who believes in reformed theology that's their view of their earthly father my earthly father wasn't saved and by no means was he a saint but he was none of those things he was not distant he was not uh mean he was not non-relational and so i did not take my opinion of my dad and project it onto god because that's not my opinion of my dad it, it's a, that's a pretty sweeping statement you're making, Mark, about a lot of people who you don't know. Mentors, right? Spurgeon, Calvin, Luther. These are little boys with father wounds mm. who are looking for spiritual fathers, so they pick dead guys who are not going to actually get to know them or correct them. Right. And then they join networks run by other young men mm. so that they can all be brothers. There's no fathers. Right. Um... And they love, love, love Jesus because they love the story where the son is the hero. Mm -hmm. Because Okay. So the, the fact that we, we don't choose mentors, um, that we only choose old dead guys, Spurgeon and Calvin and Luther and so on. I mean, every strain of theology holds to some old dead guys. You, you can't avoid it. But we do have mentors. I mean, and... And I may offend some people by by, acute, uh, by attributing them age, 
But we do have mentors who are there to or are able to correct us. We have men like John MacArthur. We have men like John Piper. We have men like James White. Um, yeah, there are some, some younger men in, in those situations as well. Jeff Durbin and so on. I would absolutely consider him a mentor. Vody Balcom, Todd Friel, Phil Johnson, Paul Washer. These are all men that are not dead. These are all men that are, are, are maybe not really old, but they're not um, Dr. Geisler, R.C. Sproul. Yeah, they're both dead now, but they weren't, I mean, until recently. So these were men who were mentors, who were there to correct us if we needed to be corrected, and were willing to do so, and did do so on a regular basis. Al Mohler. You know, all of these guys, I, I could go on and on and on as they come to mind and remember. So this is, again, this is just an absolutely false statement to say that we're, we're little boys with daddy issues. Come on, Mark. Come on. You know, and then to say, oh, we love Jesus. Well, yes, we love Jesus. And yes, Jesus is a hero. But it's not that we just love Jesus because we want the, the son, hero son story. Because again... The hero son story is leading to reconciliation with the father. So we don't just focus on Jesus. We are focusing on the fact that the father sent the son to pay the penalty for our sin so that we can be reconciled to the father. What part of this are you missing, Mark? I think you need some mentors who will correct you. And I'm willing to do it. I mean, and I don't think I don't consider myself as smart as you, but you need to listen to men like John MacArthur. I mean, John MacArthur and James White and and John Piper and so on. You need to listen to these men. Why? Why you're accusing us of not having mentors? Who are your mentors, Mark? Who are who is who is there to correct you when you're wrong? Because you're wrong. That would be my question for you. And I'm going to leave that at that. That's, that's our, our this week's drama with Mark Driscoll. And uh, yeah, so take it for what it's worth. Uh, if you're interested in watching the rest of the article, uh, the interview, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to watch the rest of it and see what it's about. But again, this is just a man who... You know, charismatic in his his leadership style, um, and can't apparently can't imagine himself as not the the center of attention, um, head of a head of a ecclesiastical body. We'll call it that because I don't know if we can call it a church. I will I will not call him a pastor because he's disqualified, and he needs to step back. And he needs to go through the rest or whatever restoration process his elders prescribed for him. And then maybe, I mean, I don't think that just being disqualified disqualifies you forever. For some people, yeah. For some people, absolutely. Being disqualified, you are never going to step back into a pulpit. But there are some people, um, some people I pray that will be restored. You know, guys like Artazerdia. I pray that someday that man is restored to a pulpit. But that's between him and his, his elders. But we see so many examples of, of pastors who are 
uh, disqualified, who step down, who don't go through the process, and and then re- reject the the process that they're of restoration that they're been prescribed, and just take over again. Ted Haggard, Mark Driscoll. Um, I'm not sure if I think maybe even uh, Tolly and Chavidjan did the same thing. I don't remember, but so yeah, I think you need to. St- step back mark and and go through i mean i've seen restoration work in pastors of my own i've seen men that were disqualified that walked through repentance and restoration and aren't pastoring a church again but they are back into a ministry using the gifts that god has given them and been restored and reconciled with their family and so on and and gone through a restoration process it can be done i just don't think mark has done it i don't think he desires to do it he just wants to be the boss and he's proven that over and over and over so you can go ahead and at me on that and the last thing i want to talk about we'll probably get through it pretty quickly here but this is another big uh bombshell that dropped this week i mean for some of us we knew about what was going on i mean i was talking to my wife about this i knew about the jeffrey epstein stuff during the primaries was part of the reason i did not want to vote for trump because of the connection that he had now i mean my biggest issue was the inside edition video and the whole grab them by the whatever you know um that was my my key point that said i will never cast a vote for this man and even in 2020 i'm not casting a vote for the man unless he comes to a point where he is repentant and i hear it and see it i mean you saw the clip in the in the intro to the the podcast he doesn't think like that he doesn't ask god for forgiveness but so this meme got posted and and uh i saw a lot of stuff about it um and so i just did want to talk about it so again it's, it comes down to consistent worldview. So the left is go, losing their minds, and they're like, Jeffrey, you, yeah, Jeffrey Epstein's going to take down Trump. And all these people on the right are like, woohoo, Jeffrey Epstein's going to take down Clinton. Not that I know why that's an issue, because Clinton isn't even a an issue at this point. I mean, Bill's out of the picture. I mean, he did his, he served his terms, and he's off doing whatever speaking tour he can do maybe he maybe he goes to jail i don't know maybe that's just what everybody wants and maybe it's enough to keep hillary from um pursuing another uh, presidential run or politics at all but again here i am trying to maintain a consistent worldview and just recognizing the fact that a current and a former president have ties to a pedophile and to tell you everything you know about the current state of U.S. politics. And that's true. Our political system is broken. I mean, if, if people would maintain, especially Christians, and again, I can't, I can't judge what the rest of the world does. I can't do it. I can't, you know, they vote the way they vote. But I think that as Christians, if we maintain a consistent Christian worldview, none of us, should have voted for Trump in the primaries. We could lit- we could have President Cruz right now and have and not have none of this drama. But 
for some reason people liked the way that he he was no nonsense and talked and again it's the social media world it's the ability to say whatever the heck you want to say without consequence and trump personified that i mean the, the dude literally what did he say i could walk out on fifth avenue and shoot somebody and i'd still get the get voted votes and that's true and just watching the way people defend and and again it's coming from the left as well you know one comment that was made was, well, we all have ties to pedophiles. Well, that's probably true. You know, my dad was abusive, would be considered a pedophile. Um, I have siblings, one sibling in particular, um, and none of those that live in Utah. So um, we'll leave it at that. Um, that is convicted can't have a Facebook page, can't have any of those things because he's a convicted sex offender with minors. So yeah, sure, we probably all have ties to pedophilia, but not the way that these men had. And that's an issue. I mean, to say, well, we all have ties to them. Okay, well, maybe this, but these are men that that spent time with him, that went to his island, whatever that is, you know, flew on his jet, spent Time with and potentially there are stories that need to be proven and again maintaining the consistent worldview we want to wait for all the information to come out just like we did with with Kavanaugh and Roy Moore and all those things we wait for the information to come out then we look at the evidence and we make a judgment but it's pretty con it's it's pretty telling that both of these men I mean this guy had uh, interactions with some of the most famous people that are out there People took flights on his party plane or whatever they called it, party jet or whatever. Went to his island and, and did all these things. Um, and it's scary. It is really scary that not just the fact that we have these presidents that have these ties to this man, but yet people based simply on party affiliation and, you know, and, and Supreme Court justices and da 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 will defend these men. Let's stop defending them until the information comes out. You know, I hope. I mean, for the for the sake of the the young women, I well, I mean, they've been damaged. They've been. Uh, I can't even think of the words I want to use to describe the horror that young women went through. And these men may have may have been participants. I hope for their sake that they weren't. I hope for goodness sake that they were not involved in those things. But if they were, I want to see them jailed. I want to see them imprisoned. I'm a proponent for the death penalty for pedophiles, for for child molesters. I would rather see them just put to death than sit on in a prison somewhere in a segregated area for the rest of their lives. I would rather see them put to death. And now I'm, I may have an issue with, um, yeah, <laughs> there you go. So if they, if any of these men, any of this information comes out and, and the truth is told prosecution for anyone involved, and then we'll let the, the courts do what the courts do. 
my opinion on what what it is shouldn't have anything to do with any of it. But I would like to see laws made that that death penalty is is enforced for situations like this. And we'll leave it at that because I'm tiptoeing on 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 very thin ice um, with the subject matter that we're discussing. So there you have it. Um, it is an ugly situation. We should be, as Christians, we should be praying for the truth to be revealed, for justice to be done, and we should not be defending anybody based on our political desires. We should be looking at things from the angle of what is true and what is biblical. And that should be our bottom line. Because we are Christians, because of the gospel, because of what Christ did and the fact that that he went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And these men could be forgiven as well if they would come and repent. But we see that that doesn't seem to be the attitude of any of them. And that's why we need to, as always... Preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They are necessary. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm.